good parenting skills. This guy. Solid. Come join us. <laughs> In the small sweaty office in the recording studio. Oh, great. It's back here, really. It's safe. I have no idea. It's episode 91 of the EdTech Loop Podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and she's worryingly started every morning for the last month standing atop her desk declaring, oh, captain, my captain. It's Danielle Grostrom. She doesn't get the reference again. And we are joined by the new boss, not quite the same as the old boss. It's Evan Obranovic. 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 I got it right. Yeah. Nailed it. (laughs) Thank you, Karen. Uh... He's here to deepen our understanding around what's new in educational technology, though not nearly as deep as this week's moment of Zen. The pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change. The leader adjusts the sails. Though it may have been left unrefrigerated too long and was surely about to turn, we finally have someone to cook this week's meat of the show. Meet the director. Welcome to the district. Thank you. Before we get started, um, I'd like to take a moment and on behalf of the district, make a blanket apology for Thomas, mm. just in general, <laughs> just in general. Um, besides that, what do you think so far? I have been extremely impressed so far uh, coming in from a much smaller district. So just the the pure size and, and scope and sequence of everything that happens here is um, quite incredible. Overwhelming or more like, wow, I can't get wait to get my hands on all these. Oh, both. Yeah, cool we've had plenty of overwhelming moments uh, coming home, uh, looking at my wife like we're not in Aspen anymore. And then uh, but it's an extremely exciting opportunity as well. So I think that's been kind of what saves those overwhelming moments is, is feeling like, wow, there's a lot that I can dig my hands into. And the staff around me is incredible. So it's been very exciting in that aspect. Uh, What brought you to Traverse City? Well, I grew up downstate, so I'm from Michigan, the Mitten, um, you know, originally and went to Michigan State. Go green. Uh, Very blue. uh, Yeah, I know. I found that division up here, (laughs) uh, which is always good. Uh, And then I graduated with uh, my degree in elementary education, decided that Michigan was not the place for me. And took off out west, never been to Colorado before, but decided that was my time and ended up landing kind of your dream gig in Aspen, Colorado, teaching fourth grade. Uh, So I did that for six years, convinced my, well, now wife, then girlfriend to come out with me, and she's a teacher as well. And then I got my master's in educational technology, was pursued by my old tech director to become a tech integrator found that extremely exciting, rewarding, um, kind of where I wanted to be. And then was always kind of on the lookout for grandiose opportunities to come back to the home state. And so when I saw this come up, it was something that I had to at least throw my hat in the ring for. And uh, surprisingly, they picked me, which was very exciting. And, And then just kind of made the call home and told our parents that we're making the move. And like I said before, kind of for me being such a, a big place in terms of just like the scope of how many schools and the amount of students and, and what all happens here. Uh, when I got a chance to speak with you know staff and see the team that's in place, my final interview was actually flying out here and kind of checking everything out. It, it really made that 
that size not seem like such an obstacle that I couldn't overcome. And so it was really comforting and kind of made that decision for me um, to take, you know, a step out of my comfort zone and, and do something a little bit bigger than myself. And so, yeah, so far I'm very happy with the decision, but we're only a month and a half in. So what are the trends you see in technology? You know, you've been in tech for a while um, and, at, and at ed tech specifically for a while. What kinds of things do you see happening? You know, that's that's been pretty interesting. Um, from my perspective, I, I think what you'll find, too, is is always that everyone has their two cents. And with tech shifting ever so often and in multitude of directions, it's, it's hard to really pinpoint it. That's one of the exciting yet frustrating things about working with it to me. Um, what I've noticed is mobile-centric, meaning just everything's got to be mobilely used. Can we use our phones? Can we use tablets, smaller devices? Um, you know, what what in that mobile format can be applied to what we're trying to do because no one wants to waste time with, with computers anymore in the sense of <laughs> our big laptops, you know, which is pretty funny thinking how these things, oh, it's just, it's too heavy. I don't want to carry it with me. Um, but I can have my phone. Can I do it on my phone? Um, and I think our students, you know, are the prime example of that. Teachers, we're still in the transition. But um, so, yeah, anything mobile. But then as we look at new devices and, you know, the laptops we're going to bring to the staff, hopefully this year, it's what devices are touchscreen, which ones are small and portable and easy to carry, which ones can flip over into tablet mode. Uh, so those to me are just kind of, that's become the trend. What what can get from point A to point B very easily? What can I pull out and work out on the fly? Um, and so anything that drives to that point, I think is always, you know, kind of, a, you know, an excitement for people. They look at it, even if it may not be that great of a device, but if it's smaller, it's more mobile, it always will get a second look. And then connectivity is big. Wi-Fi is water at this point in our lives, as we know, when the Wi-Fi went out uh, last week. So old-fashioned day at yeah, school. Yeah, old-fashioned day at school. <laughs> and everyone gets, uh, you know, real worked up about it because it is like you turned off their water supply. And and I had several people when I was doing a, a school tour that morning when it happened go, should we just have Wi-Fi days? Should we, should we not have school if the internet's not there? And I'm like, that has become the first thought, right? Can we even do what we need to do if the Wi-Fi is not accessible, which I think most of us who are a little bit older and came into it as a transition period are like, like you said, it's old fashioned day. So yeah, to me, the, the connectivity is huge and that goes for a lot of different things too. So, you know, whether it's to the internet or just, um, you know, in the classroom setting, to me, it's always finding interesting how people perceive how they're connecting, meaning to like a display to showcase their class or to their other students. You know, are those devices easily connectable? Can I bring up a student's screen and show what they're doing? Can I put my screen very easily up on the projector, TV, smart board, whatever it's going to be, but whatever it is, does it work really quickly? And can I do it without really having to have any sort of learning curve? Um, so any devices and tools we can find that do that more simply, I think think are home runs. And then simple is best. I think as, as things have become more complicated, the less clicks someone has to do, the less work. Um, if I don't have to read a manual and it'll auto set up for me, if it'll connect to that display for me, if the Wi-Fi runs by itself, I love it. If it doesn't and it takes a little digging, 
Um, you know, with this world, everything needs to be faster, quicker, uh, more on point, then it just becomes an instant point of frustration for someone who may not be as apt to look into that. And so, you know, what's simplest, um, but that goes for the tools that the teachers and students are using too. How many clicks does the kid need to uh, use to get into that, you know, curriculum device or whatever the teacher's using? Um, and what kind of information do they have to share? I think that's become a big thing too. Do I have to give an email, a password? and a home address, forget it. I don't have that kind of time. But if I just need an email and a password, great. Let's knock it out of the park. Or what kind of information do I need to give? Which is a good thing. People are becoming more aware of you know, what they're sharing and who has access to that. Um, but that becomes a huge roadblock. And then I think there's a huge piece from parents, students, old guard teachers, administrators of less is more, too much screen time, too much time on the device? Are they really being used purposefully? Which I agree with to some point. Um, and so it's really a thoughtful consideration, I think going back to that purposeful use. How are we using it? And just because we have computers and we slap our kids in front of them, does that mean they're really learning? Are they doing anything innovative? Um, that's definitely not always the case. And I think you're just seeing that from everybody. Now it comes in different forms. So you'll have, you know, parents are, are very apt on one side of just usually it's screen time. How much screen time is my kid getting? Uh, and hopefully getting them to ask the right questions of screen time can be a question, but it's, is it purposeful time? If it is, then it's probably worth them sitting down for a little while and using that device. But if they're just kind of doing facts or simple things that can be done an old-fashioned day, then, uh, yeah, I think less is more. We don't need to use technology for technology's sake. So that, to me, has been just kind of a big pickup and something from my role back in Colorado to what I'm seeing here is just the justification and or just the thoughtful use of, of that technology so that it's being used purposely. It's right into the SC standards and the AAA frameworks stuff that we're really trying to push in this district. Absolutely. Create over consume. Yes. Yes. Creation to me is, is absolutely key. Um, it's something that I think often gets overlooked and it's because it's not easy. It's not easy to have um, anyone, whether it's from the teacher level all the way down to the student, really try and create something or look at how they're, they're creating or thinking, you know, a little bit broader than just accomplishing a task. Um, it's always about tying a lot of things together and, you know, that always takes work. So that's tough for teachers, but that's where you're going to get meaningful connections. That's where the learning is going to happen. That's where I think it becomes very easy to justify having your kids on a piece of technology, your students on a device um, because of what the end product is and the fact that it wasn't just for one simple, you know, task. They didn't just practice math facts. They created, you know, a website explaining a multitude of math concepts that they work together with, but that's not easy. So it takes a lot of work <laughs> and that's the hard part for sure. And a lot of time. So with time, one of the things that we, we, we do struggle with, you know, the kids like the mobile devices, the teachers like the mobile devices, everybody likes mobile devices, yet I know we, we struggle at um, the secondary levels with maybe misuse. We want them to be creative. We don't want them to be distracted. How do we, I guess, navigate that balancing act? Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't think there's a there are necessarily a, a sure fast answer to this is how you make sure all Figure mobile it all devices. Out. No one's, no one's <laughs> Here's the button to press. That's what everyone wants, yeah. um, which is always tough. You know, what, what button can I press? What I feel like in that same what app 
can I give my students so they can't do anything else, right? What locks down uh, the device? And, and to me, that's that's asking or approaching it from the wrong angle. So if we're worried about them, you know, we need to force them into this one spot, then what the activity you're doing is not engaging enough. Um, and that's a lot of ask for the teachers as well. So there's, I'm not trying to downplay what their job is and that and how they're supposed to, to do that. But it's really, it starts with people like Danielle in that um, curriculum, the instructional side of how are you utilizing your mobile device, your laptops, your computers, any sort of technology to be engaging with the students and making it purposeful. And I would hope in my experience, which has not been long, but with Danielle and David and our other team, instructional team, is um, they have that opinion of if it's not, then don't use it. And that's not to say you just throw it away in the garbage, but you really need to be like, it's okay to to step away. I don't need to use this cool new thing all the time just for the sake of using it. So it's going to take some work, I think, in changing just a mentality of a teacher of the time, like Danielle mentioned, it would take to you know create something that's truly engaging and how that would be implemented and what that looks like. And then, you know, contingency plans. So when it doesn't work, what are you going to do then? Because it's not going to work. I just always like to run under that assumption. It's going to break. It's going to break probably in the middle of the most important part. And um, my favorite statement that I've had so far here in the district is, oh, yeah, we were, we were working on that, but then technology didn't work. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a bummer. <laughs> I'm really disappointed that it didn't work. But that's a really broad term. Um, so, you know, more specific is great, but just that's going to happen, you know, so I try and um, very kindly redirect that in the sense of it absolutely is just not going to work. We can't rely on it because, like I said, it's always changing. It's new. Things that we're trying to do are usually on the cutting edge, which is great. So you have to plan for um, a different way to approach it. And so that's kind of the way with that mobile device thing. It can become an absolute distraction and just detraction from what's happening in the classroom. And so you either have to spend a lot of time. And I think even if you do to plan something meaningful, you might find that happening. And if that's happening, you need a parachute. How are you going to bail out? What's your plan B? What's your plan B? I want to high five that answer because I think that I hear that on a weekly basis. How can I block my kids from YouTube? How can I keep my kids just on the one website that I want them to go on? And I think, ooh, (laughs) like as an adult, you have to learn how to balance all of this in the phone and just everything. And I think if we never, K-12, talk to our kids about how to balance and what that feels like and that you struggle with it too, you just kind of send them off and then they don't know how to do it. I don't feel like you can lock everything down. You can lock everything down. And if that is your solution to everything, then again, I think just like you spoke to, you're not preparing them for the next level. And that's you know, I think what everyone touts and everyone is truly deeply meaning to do. So you want to hopefully bring that conversation back around to them and be like, if we want to prepare them for college, then no one's going to say their professor's not going, how can I lock them into this app? You can take all those quizzes with your friends next to you and multiple tabs open. So is that really the goal? Is that where we're, we're moving towards? Because that puts a level of complication, uh, onus on, you know, the people say Thomas (laughs) to crank things down in a way that becomes, I just think unsustainable. You can't, you can't do it. And then again, it's one more thing to break. So you really have to be careful on that balance of, of how much control you want to have versus how much, uh, knowledge, skill set, um, 
practice you want to impart on those students and teachers to to just do the tasks that they're trying to do or make meaningful ones um, so that people just are naturally engaged in it. You don't have to keep refocusing them because chances are, unfortunately, that might not be the most best use of that time and that lesson. So um, having that reflection time is huge and being able to, I guess, accept that it was a dud is got to be okay, I think, especially in technology. You have to be willing to fail. The teacher has to be willing to fail. It's an opportunity to actually model that with a lesson. Sometimes I have, I have this great idea. Didn't work. Let's, right. let's move on. Yeah, yeah, because it will not work. It will, <laughs> it will not work. Um. You know, we, we would like to get to the point, and we talk about this a lot, is you know, the hope that technology just becomes a tool. It's not even technology anymore. It's just you know, one of many tools. And going back to that engagement piece and locking everything down, it's like taking the head off a hammer. Suddenly, it's not a useful tool anymore. Yes, yeah, the head is the part that's going to hurt you as well. But if you can instruct the the educator and the student on the proper use, that would be the more beneficial route to take as opposed to making it no longer a tool. And the task design. I think that's a big part of this. Have really engaging tasks that draw kids in rather than just the lower level recall kind of stuff. That's what's going to keep kids where they need to be. Yeah. And you just need an emphasis on that um, from the top on down of, of, I think like Danielle mentioned, the time that's involved in that. It's a lot. So to think that you can do that in a 30-minute prep period, um, it's just not going to happen. And, and that's okay. So hopefully we can start to, you know, as this becomes an absolute ingrained part of what's happening, which I think it very well is in terms of using technology within, you know, our teaching day to really be thoughtful about how we're supporting those teachers um, and staff to do that and what that really looks like um, and what the best practice is. And I think everyone around you is figuring that out. So I don't think TCAPS is ahead or behind. Um, I think it's, it's a learning process, but you really need to have that at the forefront. And at the same piece, the reflection of, well, that plan does not work or that amount of time is not gonna cut it or what the realistic expectation, if this is the only time you can provide, then what can we actually get done that we think is valuable to our students you know, and our staff? And I mean, those are hard conversations, but I think they need to happen. Okay, I know that you love Google. Favorite Google tool and why? Mm, this was a good one. Um, I gotta go with a simple Google tool, but one I've found the most fun in working with you know, other teachers and students when I get a chance to, to get in there is Google Slides. I think uh, it often gets overlooked. It's left as it's PowerPoint, you know, PowerPoint for Google. I can share it with my students, great. Uh, I think there's a lot of little tips and, and tricks and hacks. I've done a few presentations, you know, labeling it as such with, that you can do with slides to really kind of change the dynamic of how you use it. So changing the page size, um, which is a super simple uh, change in that. and it kind of changes that whole dynamic of what it's used. It becomes a magazine. You can print it out in eight and a half by 11, um, becomes a virtual you know, publication where it looks like pages in a book that can be flipped through online, uh, adding different elements when you can put videos. Uh, my favorite thing to do, uh, hopefully my friends back in, in Colorado listen to this. I love GIFs. 
I love making gifts. So unfortunately, not really funny um, gifts. They're more, you know, educational training gifts of how to do this, that, or the other. And so being able to make those short videos and then put them in a slideshow. And so people can flip through as they deem necessary and go back and forth. Um, has been my was my go-to in terms of any sort of instructional tool and people seem to appreciate that far more than listening to my voice for three minutes droning on and on or being like at two minutes is that where he explained the part I already know Uh, with the slideshow you can just flip back and forth and I just think it's fun to make gifts so and then you get to put a funny one at the end so I love um, that piece of slides and just in general, the, some of the new adaptions they have with it, using the, the speaker notes, letting the students be able to voice uh, to text Huge. and the speaker notes is, is big. When voice to type first came out on Google Docs, it was a great tool for you know, our students who couldn't type and how are we going to get them so they would talk into the document, the document would write, and then I'm trying to show a first grader how to copy and paste. And that's just, we're not using, again, our time wisely. We're pulling the parachute very quickly. And so it's developmentally appropriate. <laughs> not that, yeah. it turns out. <laughs> Absolutely. And so it's a go-to and I like it because it's easily accessible. It's one that already people are familiar with. So when you can kind of show them um, some really fun ways to, to utilize it, that to me tops it for now. Slides is my favorite. Good answer. Choose your own adventures with slides. That's the best create links to different pages, nice. hide pages. Uh, all kids get a kick out of that, especially when you let them make their own. There I'm you excited go. to do that. Yeah. So give us some insight into a few things we can expect from our TCAPS technology department this year. These are well thought out and ever changing. Um, but what I'm hoping to bring here and utilize the people and the resources that are already here, which I've mentioned are great. So a big thing for us is going to be some curriculum partnerships. So how are we working well with our curriculum folks to do all the things that we've just been rambling on about um, without these two departments, you know, working together, being on the same page, communicating better, it's not going to happen. And so I'm really hoping to, and by all signs pointing right now, I mean, it's, it's starting to work, but it's a work in progress of just opening those doors, creating those open lines, making sure that um, as much as curriculum may be on the forefront for some of the things we're doing as technology, I'd like that same mentality to be on the flip. So is curriculum thinking about technology and because so many of pretty much all new curriculum products involve technology in some way. So are they first thought to reach out and be like, how is this going to work? What do I not know that I can ask these folks about? Um, I just really want that to be pretty seamless. I want us to work hand in hand. That goes along the lines with doing some other things too that we've already started, like overlaying ISTE standards into the existing curriculum. So where does it fit in? So not that it's one more thing for teachers, which we've all know does not work and they don't have enough time for, but where is it just already fitting? And so we can do that groundwork um, with curriculum's blessing, which we've gotten, and then present that to our teachers and be like, see how this is already happening or point out projects that I know many of them are probably working on and be like, you're doing it, but now you just know what to call it. And and that to me is big. And I think not to be able to reference ISTE standards for students and then teachers themselves is doing you know a big disservice to how technology is really gonna work with education. So it's really important to me. And then the buzzword STEM, 
So we have a lot of STEM talk and, and what that action actually looks like and technology is right in that. So to think that we're not gonna be involved in some way um, is just not a possibility. So just how we can help support that because everyone's talking about STEM and my experience is um, everyone has different views of what that actually means. It's a good word to say. Again, my experience, someone can probably comment, call in and comment. Get it about, really confusing and throw steam in there. Right. And really have oh, some yeah, the steam too. But just like, I just, I, I think I said to Danielle, I think everyone says the word STEM and then in their head goes, please don't ask me specifically what I'm talking about when I say STEM. That's my next question for um, you, Evan. Yeah. So please don't, please don't ask me. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. <laughs> I'll say it closer to the mic so that it's it's more clear. Please don't ask me. But yeah, so that one's an important one. Uh, we want to look at our workflow. There's so much going on with technology. The department's so big, you know, between the data team, the instructional team, the network people. Um, how are we working smarter, not harder? I think a lot of those systems are already in place or at least, you know, been talked about. And I'm hoping to just help kind of drive that ship. Um, and make sure that it, it does become more efficient and people feel like their work is valued and that we're not redoing things that already have been done well. And so just kind of tying that all together. The libraries are another important one. I've been working with uh, Steffi a lot on just starting by what everything looks like, how the libraries are operating and what our kind of dreams and hopes are for those spaces and how we can really turn them into moving from an old library model, which again, I think it's just a national trend of just books in a room to where it truly becomes a dynamic learning space. Um, and again, that's a buzz thing, kind of like STEM, you'll see a lot of people want to do that. So, but I actually do want to do it as I know many other people in this district do. So how is that going to look? Um, it's not going to be easy, but I think we have all the pieces in place to really make some changes there. So looking at the libraries is going to be huge. Lastly, then instructional support. The one thing that shocked me about coming here was we have 1.6, 1.6 Daniel, Daniel and Dave <laughs> instructional team for 15 or 16 schools, technically, probably 16 officially, right? Uh, how many students? 10,000 plus. And staff. And staff. And support staff. And support staff. And, and, and. So as impressed as I was about um, everything That's here. That's why which the I, podcast which, is only 20 minutes long. Yeah, <laughs> which I still am uh, impressed just how we can help that. I'm coming from a district, to give myself away, very small, three schools. Uh, and I had two tech integrators, myself and another person for three schools. And we were jockeying to get a third. So we had seen, look, and I think that's hopefully a compliment to us, the value of our position. And so we were hoping that to be most effective, we really needed one per school in order to help that staff um, and and touch base with all those people on a regular basis. And so now I'm coming to there's, a place. There's a lot of smiles in here. <laughs> I'm coming to we're, a place. We're holding the laughing in. Yeah, that uh, is not very close to that, um, which is unfortunate. It's not the end of the world. And so I think, you know, looking at that, maximizing the time and the resources that Danielle, David, and to an extent, Steffi have um, to really figure out how we can use that. And we've had some of those discussions. And then, you know, maybe down the road, if we can do a good job, which I think we will, of showcasing that value of, is this a position we need to increase, bring into the fold, um, really, you know, showcase how that can be helpful if 
Danielle can see a building or someone like a Danielle can see a building more than once every couple weeks in an ideal world, which probably isn't even always plausible. You know, moonshot. Live the dream. That's moonshot. Live the dream. The new guy, you know, he has a lot of hopes and dreams and then he settles into the reality, but I try and hold on to him for as long as possible so that we can make it happen. It doesn't sound like you've had a betting in period at all. You basically (laughs) jumped right into the fire and... Yeah. It had been on the burner for a while. Yeah, there was no just relaxing. I've been told a variety of different timelines I have as the new guy. It goes anywhere from three months to a year. So I'm I'm hoping I get the year to really adjust myself. Uh, We'll see if the three-month people will uh, hold me to that and see if I got everything locked in within about three months. But it's a lot. There's a lot happening, and I definitely come from the instructional side of things, so that's my strength, uh, which I really enjoy doing, and something that you know gets me going. And then I've been trying to pick up, though I had some experience with all the technical side of things. You know, that's where I lean heavily on the Thomases, the Bills, so Bobics, all those so guys. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, have their have their own quirks, but are a great group of guys, and. Um, so, you know, I just lean really heavily on them to be like, what do I need to know to best help you, support you? That's what I'm all about. Um, how can I support all these people? Because they all do their jobs really well. They don't need me to micromanage. So I'm trying to avoid that. That's the goal. From what it sounds like, there's going to be some pushing and asking that infrastructure to do some things that maybe it's not quite set up to do right now and having a good understanding of that, allowing yourself some time to have a good understanding of that. So Yeah, we're working on a whole lot of yes right now is what I pitched at the beginning. Probably going to over yes, meaning we'll say yes to a lot of things. And I'm sure we'll have to reel that back a little bit, but um, I'm hoping to, that's all my vision of of trying to build those relationships, show people that we're here to support Um, But that goes in both ways, meaning I want to say yes to our team internally, too, for ideas they have, suggestions on how to make things happen. Um, And I think if we can do a little bit more of that and and do it in a reasonable fashion that we can accomplish, uh, we're really going to showcase the value. And then it becomes easier to get some of those high-level big goals done, like have more tech curriculum coordinators, ed tech coaches. all those good things that I think are just as important as the infrastructure data side, which is also vitally important. But we, I want more of a balance. The goal is to have it unseen and nobody asks questions about it. It just works. Now it's time to actually teach people the tool. Right. Yeah. What's the data center? No one knows. It's just that building over there that <laughs> used to be in elementary. That's always fun to show people, though. Yes, I think is. people who don't have an awareness of what the data center here at, at TCAPS looks like, uh, that is an incredible uh, building and just operation from a school district standpoint. I've never seen anything like it. I'm sure they exist in other places, but I was blown away by that. And that to me is a really exciting piece to have and to know it's already in place. So we're moving on past that. What else you cool. got? Want to play a game? I do. Okay. Brand, <laughs> brand new segment on the pod. This is called This or That. Rapid fire. You got to answer. Okay. So you're going to give me two options and I just hit it with one or you the other. You got it. One or the other. Okay. Handle that. First, Google Docs or Google Sheets? Sheets. Podcast or radio? Podcast. Let's talk about devices. Touch screen or just use the mouse? Touch screen. Michigan State or U of M? Michigan State. Work with the tech department or go rogue? <sighs> Work with the tech department. <laughs> Text or call on the phone, millennial? Text all day. <laughs> Lucy or Rosie? Rosie. Joe. Oh, I, wasn't gonna, 
didn't think you were going to answer. I so would not, not answer that. Not because <laughs> Rosie doesn't get the love my firstborn Lucy does. Aww. So my wife does a very nice job of taking care of, of Lucy and giving her everything and anything she wants. And don't get me wrong. She gets anything she wants from me too. But I try and lean on Rosie a little bit. She's second child and she needs that love. So I try and be that that support system for her nice so that's what i'm leaning on so we we split you know right now we can still play man to man and not have to go zone so yeah i'd say my wife's got lucy uh and i got rosie love it tech tool of the week Tech Tool of the Week, Headspace is free for educators. This happened over the summer. Um, Headspace is a meditation app, and it is also located on your computer, so you can use it either one. Um, But they went free for educators, which is exciting because there's an entire section for kids, you know, that we love um, using meditation to bring kids down after recess, to bring kids to a place of getting ready to take assessments, um, or just to a place of calm. And I think Headspace has some really good options for kids. There's a whole section where you can choose um, an age group and find really quick three to six minute meditations that are perfect for the classroom. So I'll put that link in the show notes. They do a great job. That particular app does a great job of actually teaching the concepts of mindfulness in a way that's understandable and not too yeah, and the, graphic, the graphics are beautiful, too, and it's just a really, really nice tool for educators. Absolutely. I might like it even better than Calm. And they're doing full circle. They're they're helping you maybe not want to be on your phone or an app with a phone or an app. So they're, they're working themselves by <laughs> being so good out of their own business, but that's impressive. It's a good goal. All right. Um, tutorials and updates. Just wanted to point out that we have a technologist pod recording on Thursday. Should drop on Friday. Um, just in time for the weekend. So clear out the calendars for the weekend so you can listen to the pod. You had mentioned earlier, TCAP's Loop YouTube channel is not dead yet. There will be things to be put on TCAP's Loop YouTube channel. It just hasn't happened yet this year. We're still early. Give it some time. Um, in closing, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TCAP's Loop. At Brostrom DA. At Evan O'Branovic. Nice. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, and Spotify. Leave a review. We love the feedback. Thank you for listening and inspiring. Oh, we're just going to play that in a loop over and over and over again. It's okay.